We all have things that we feel like doing, and we all have things that we don't feel like doing. But there are some things that we must do, no matter how we feel about it. And in a lot of areas of life, you have to stop letting your feelings vote. Probably more than anything, people talk about how they feel. People will come for prayer, well, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. And we all have feelings, but the thing you have to understand about feelings is they are ever-changing, they're fickle, and so really because I feel something, that doesn't mean that it's truth. So first lesson, everything you feel is not true. <laughs> You may feel like, for example, that you're no good, and yet, if you read what the Bible says, you have unbelievable worth and value to Him. You may feel that you can never be forgiven for the things that you've done wrong in the past, but if you would learn the truth, the truth says that He forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives, and we're to let go of the past and press on to the things that are ahead. You may be forgiven of a sin and still feel guilty, but that guilt that you're feeling is actually a lie because if the sin has been removed, there's nothing there to feel guilty about. So you really need to start asking yourself, is this thing that I'm feeling that in many instances we're basing our life on, is this feeling true? Does it agree with the Word of God? Or is this just some random thing from somewhere that maybe I've had for a long, long time and I need to check out the source and see if I'm believing a bunch of stuff that's not really true? Do you know that when you believe lies, it keeps you in bondage? And there's people in here tonight, you believe certain things that really aren't even true. And that's why it's so valuable to hear the Word, hear the Word, hear the Word, study the Word, study the Word, study the Word, because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Today, the world is trying to tell us that there is no absolute truth. Well, there, there absolutely is an absolute truth. And Jesus is it. Amen. So. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. Romans chapter 8, verse 8. So then, those who are living the life of the flesh, catering, everybody say catering, catering. to the appetites and impulses of their carnal nature. Now, you, you know what an impulse is? It's just like, whoo. <laughs> it's just this kind of sudden urge, you know, like, Ooh, chocolate. Whew, <laughs> sale. <laughs> the impulses of their carnal nature, which means the part of us that has not yet been 
crucified. They cannot please or satisfy God or be acceptable unto him. Now that does not mean that God doesn't accept us, that we have any carnality in our lives, but it means that kind of behavior is not acceptable to God. That's not what he, how he wants us to behave. Okay, so let's think about the word catering for a minute. Um, I spent a lot of years catering to my flesh. And I'm sure some of you have had the same experience and may still be in that situation and you may not even know that you're doing it. And what that means is every time you feel that you want to do something, you go do it. Or anytime you don't feel like you don't want to do something, you don't do it. We cater to our feelings. We feed the flesh. And the more you feed anything, the stronger it gets. And the less you feed anything, the weaker it gets. So we need, we, by the help of God, through the grace of the Holy Spirit, we need to learn the word, know what's the devil, know what's God, and we need to use the fruit of self-control that every one of us has. Don't ever say you don't have any self-control. Well, I just can't control myself. Yeah, you can. You may not want to, but you can. And so the more we go with God and don't go with the flesh, the weaker, the weaker, the weaker it gets until it really no longer can have any control over you. Catering. There are people who have catering businesses. I have hosted catered events. Now, you know, if you go to a buffet, you don't get any specialized service. You get your own plate. You put your own food in it. You carry it to your own table. You get your own napkin. They might bring you some water. You eat and you pay. And the bill is probably not too major. But if you go to a five-star restaurant where you've got three waiters catering to you all night, <laughs> you get up to go to the bathroom and you leave your napkin on the table and when you come back it's folded into this cute little duck <laughs> I mean everything is specialized everything is personalized when they come to the table they call you Mr. and Mrs. You're treated like a king. You don't have to get your own food. You don't have to clean the table up. See, when you go to the buffets, they even want you to clean your dishes up. But you're gonna pay a higher price for the catered meal. <laughs> now come on, there's a message here. When we cater to our flesh, <laughs> So here's the thing, we're either gonna pay now or we're gonna pay later. So we either pay now by saying no, I'm gonna go with God on this and if my flesh wants to have a screaming fit, just let it have it. See, there is a real thing that we feel in our flesh when we don't give it its way. How many of you, how many of you know, you, you, you understand that feeling? You know, like, if Dave and I have had an argument and God, and I think he's wrong, but God puts it in my heart that I need to go and apologize, oh, my flesh hates it. <laughs> hates it, I cringe. 
And I like always want Dave, when he is wrong, to say I was wrong. But he doesn't do that much. Do any of you have men that don't, they just don't like that terminology, I was wrong, you know? It seems to be a male thing, I don't know. And uh, so that can be really hard on my flesh. And you see, years ago when things were hard on my flesh, I had not developed an ability to keep my mouth shut. Come on, is anybody in the room tonight? I mean, I could not keep my mouth shut. So every time I didn't get my way and my flesh felt uncomfortable, I would start something. I got somebody who's with me right down here tonight. But oh my gosh, God has changed me so much. Oh, it hurt, it hurt really bad. But see, the point is, is you can either suffer in a way that will always keep you in bondage, and you keep suffering, and you keep suffering, and you keep suffering, or you can suffer temporarily and get to the point where that thing no longer has control over you, and then you're free. First Corinthians chapter three, verse three. Paul was talking to the Corinthian church. They operated in the gifts of the Spirit. They were supposed to be the cream of the crop. And he says to them, to the Christians, let's just say that he was having a meeting similar to tonight. His crowd probably wasn't this big because he was in a cave somewhere, but let's just say that he was having a great meeting and everything was going good there in the cave. And Paul looks at him and says, you are still unspiritual. <laughs> See, I'm nicer than Paul was. You are still unspiritual having the nature of the flesh because you're under the control of ordinary impulses. <laughs> because as long as there is envy, jealousy, wrangling factions, which is strife among you, are you not unspiritual and of the flesh behaving yourselves after a mere human standard and you're acting like unchanged men? See. Being born again means that there should be a change. Now, everything doesn't change overnight. There's no doubt about that. The Bible says that we are changed into his image little by little from glory to glory. So if you just got born again last night, which almost 400 people answered the altar call last night, if you just... If you just received Christ last night and you haven't seen any big change in yourself, don't worry about that at all. We're, good, we're cool with that. But if you've been saved 20 years and you don't see any change and you're still going around the same mountains you went around 20 years ago and you still can't keep your mouth shut and your mind is still full of junky stuff, these guys are too good for that, I can tell. <laughs> Come on, let me tell you a secret. I preach at whoever smiles at me the most. <laughs> now, you know, my call is to help the believer mature and grow up. Because I was a Christian for a long time. Let, let, let me rephrase, I was a miserable Christian for a long, long time. It's one thing to be a miserable sinner. It's another thing to be a miserable saint. 
Amen? So something should happen <laughs> when we receive Christ as our Savior. We're not supposed to stay the same. I see changes still in my life all the time. I will, at the end of this year, I will not still be the way I am right now. And I'll tell you, if you come to this conference and if you sit here for all four sessions or if you only come to one session or whatever and nothing changes, <laughs> then it was a waste of time. Don't waste your time. You don't have enough time to waste anymore. We don't just hear the word. With the help of God, we apply the word. Knowing these things, blessed are ye if you do them, Jesus said in John 13. We're new creatures. The Bible says, put off the old man and put on the new man. Now, emotions are so fickle. Did you ever say to somebody, you are so fickle? And when you say that to them, what you're actually saying is, I cannot depend on you. You are one way one day and another way the next day. And we have to understand that emotions are fickle. They change without any notice at all. You can go to bed feeling like you want to do something the next morning and wake up the next morning and you don't want to do it at all. You don't feel like doing it at all. I had that happen to me yesterday. I walk every day, several miles, and I actually really love it. I really miss it when I can't do it. And when I do my conferences, I can't do it. And uh, I came here a day early to do something at Life Church. And so this time I'm here for three days, so I'm really wanting to get home and walk again. Well, normally I won't walk on Saturdays because when I get home from my conferences, because I'm just really tired. And so Thursday night, I said, when I get home on Saturday, Dave, I think instead of eating out, I'm going to go home and walk first and then we can pick up something and eat at home. And he said, okay, well, when I got up Friday morning, I was still good for that. I mean, that's, you know, no, Thursday night, I was still okay. Then Friday morning, I got up this morning and I was kind of tired and I thought, oh, I don't know if I don't know if I feel like walking on Saturday. And then later on in the day, I started feeling a little bit better. And I said, yeah, you know, I am going to go home and I'm going to walk on Saturday. And so I finally just said, I think we just better wait till Saturday and see what happens there. <laughs> now, see, I, I can do that with something like that because that's not a life-altering decision. But there are some things that you cannot afford to do that with. There are some things that you got to set your mind and keep it set. And no matter how you feel or don't feel, you got to go ahead and do that thing. Feelings disappear when you would like to have their support. <laughs> and they appear at times when you really wish they wouldn't. We would love to feel like exercising, like cleaning out the garage. We would love to feel like going to work or paying the bills. But those feelings refuse to show up and support us. My, Mike, who've been going around greeting you, and he helps me up here with the offerings. His wife, Penny, is my administrative assistant, and she's not real fond of exercise. And 
So after she heard me teach this, I taught it last week at our inner city church in St. Louis, and she said, you know what, I, I have never one time in my life felt like exercising. <laughs> and see, I actually do at this point in my life. You know why? Because I've seen the payoff. Remember I talked to you last night about if you know what the payoff is? Well, the payoff for me has been unbelievable increase in energy. And so it's like, I don't even pay any attention now to the, to the doing of it because I'm looking beyond that to what I know I'm going to get out of it. Well, she doesn't have that revelation yet. But she said, however, I do look at a storage cabinet that's a mess and think, I feel like cleaning that out. I said, I've never felt like that. So you see, there are, for every one of us, there's going to be things that we're going to feel like doing, and those things are going to be easier for us. And for every one of us, there's going to be things that we don't feel like doing, but that doesn't mean that we don't do them. I, I, I'm going to rewind and say that again, because sometimes we need things two times. Jesus said, and again I say unto you. <laughs> so, and again I say unto you, we all have things that we feel like doing, and we all have things that we don't feel like doing. But there are some things that we must do, no matter how we feel about it. And in a lot of areas of life, you have to stop letting your feelings vote. Somebody said to me a few years back, so Joyce, after all these years of traveling and being in hotels and doing conferences, how do you feel about all the travel you do? And you know, my answer surprised even me. I said, you know what? I haven't asked myself in a long time. I would get in real trouble if I asked myself how I felt about this. I'll tell you what I might feel like doing. I might feel like staying home, getting in a recliner and rocking one of my grandkids. I don't feel like going out and getting in another hotel room, but it has nothing to do with how I feel because I am determined that I am going to run my race, I'm going to finish my race, and I am going to do all that God has called me to do. All, all, all. Not half, not three quarters, all 